You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Hello, and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Deputy Business Editor Damian Paletta, and I'm so honored to be joined today by actor and entrepreneur Ryan Reynolds to discuss Jen, um, philanthropy, the changing movie business, and his growing business empire. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> thank you, Damian. It's a hell of an intro. Thank you. I got so pumped up by the intro, I forgot all my questions, so I have to wing it. But we also, we also want to ask viewers to join the conversation, too. You can tweet us your questions at Post Live. Um, Ryan, I wonder if I could start. Obviously, you've, been, you've had success in film for many years, but you've really burst onto the scene with marketing and investing in the past few years. How have you been able to find success across multiple platforms like this when, in a space many people would not? Uh, well, you know, I, I, I look at it along with my partners and my team at Maxim Effort or my company, uh, we all kind of look at it all as storytelling, really. I mean, you know, uh, whether you're talking about uh, the unexpected nature of, of sports, low-cost wireless, gin, uh, connected TV marketing, ad tech, those kinds of things, they're, they're, you know, the connective tissue between each one of those things is actually, ironically, storytelling, the same way it is with movies. Um, that's, that's, that's the thing I love, uh, I love about these, uh, these, these, the, the, these businesses and the variety of them. So. And then one of the things I found really interesting about these businesses is they do have something similar. I mean, they, there is a communal aspect to them. You know, Jen's enjoyed in the group. The soccer team investment is something, it's a community. Obviously, with uh, Mint Mobile, it's something that is, brings people together. So do you find that's something, obviously, with your film um, career, too, it's something that brings people together as well. Is that something that has attracted you, these different investments, the way that it's something that can connect people? These aren't widgets that you're selling. These are things that people can share in common. No, wholeheartedly. I mean, in fact, you, you, you've actually quite literally touched on the sort of North Star of my company, Maximum Effort, which is to bring people together in unexpected ways, uh, you know, through joy, really. Um, you know, it's kind of as corny as that might sound. It's sort of uh, it's always been our motto. And, you know, you can do things joyfully and, and ways that connect people and bring people together, uh, yet still sort of maintain a subversive nature and 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 you know do things where you're kind of coming 90 degrees to expectation and that's that's been really the the wind at our back and the driving force of everything that we do and everything that i love to do as well so with you know deadpool was a real labor of love for you it took 10 years and i i mean i've watched interviews where you said it wasn't you finished filming but the, the hard work had only just begun you had to get out there and really sell the film yourself was it that experience, the kind of unconventional marketing, you know, getting into social media and using the internet, that allowed you to kind of fall in love with marketing in a much different way, to realize that maybe there's a part of your career that you could expand beyond just film, but into marketing and advertising and that sort of thing? You know, hugely. I, almost every, I think, every great lesson that I've, I've ever learned in, in moving into the world beyond just show business and into a variety of businesses is that the thing that's always been the, you know, quote unquote, murder of creativity has, it's always been too much time and too much money. Um, mm -hmm. And show business and Hollywood is certainly guilty of that um, over and over and over again. It seems sort of like a lesson that, that Hollywood has not been able to really internalize in, in huge ways, but I love constraint. You know, I love, doing more with less it forces your imagination to expand it forces you to tell stories in different ways it's one of the reasons i love working with small and medium-sized businesses uh 
not my own necessarily, but through Mountain, my connected TV uh, company, is because it's it's there's there's so much more story to tell there when you're when you're sort of forced to kind of um, do more with so much less, you know. And and really, Deadpool was that story. We made the, we made them. I was trying to make the movie we made for ten years. They finally reluctantly agreed to make the movie um, at a budget that was just kind of almost impossible to do a proper modern day comic book film. Uh, so we had to think outside the box. We had to to really kind of you know find ways to make each dollar look like ten, uh, and that extended right through to marketing, which is sort of how I fell in love with marketing. Um, once we made this movie, uh, where we kind of replaced spectacle with character, and I think audiences and consumers remember character uh, a little bit more thoughtfully than they might remember spectacle. Um, you know, and particularly in a CGI era that we all live in, it's a, a spectacle becomes. You, know, you can be a little bit skeptical of spectacle, which is a hard sentence to say. Uh, so I, you know, I, I really that, that that sort of poured it over into the marketing part of it as well. We had very little, uh, we, we had so few resources to to at our disposal to market Deadpool. Uh, so I stole the suit from set and uh, just started <laughs> shooting stuff uh, with my partner George Dewey, uh, who is my partner at Maximum Effort. And um, lo and behold, the movie ended up becoming the biggest rated our film of all time uh and at that period and um it was a pretty magical and amazing moment for all of us and a huge uh, lesson learned as well but you could have you know after you were able to pull that off you could have said Whew, we pulled off a fast one i'm just gonna go back to my film you know career and you know sit in my plush leather couch or whatever but now you're like wow i'm onto something here you you go into aviation gen you're you know aviation gen you're competing against companies that have been making gen for 200 years okay so a lot of people would say you're crazy what made you decide to kind of get into that business and bring that sort of same deadpool approach to the marketing of that well i'm not I'm not an innovator in that way. You know, I don't, I don't invent gin. I didn't invent low cost wireless. Uh, you know, these are companies that, that had uh, tremendous potential and, you know, really just needed awareness. They were already perfect when I got there. So uh, aviation gin, I was just a fan of, I was, I would have uh, Negroni after work when I was shooting Deadpool two in Vancouver. And, uh, it turns out that it was called an aviation Negroni. And I asked the bartender why it's called an aviation Negroni. So it was because it's made with aviation gin, uh, which this particular bartender really loved. And, um, I learned a little bit about the company. I ordered a bottle. It's kind of hard to find. Uh, it was a very small batch company. And, um, and I thought maybe there's something more to this. Maybe I could, you know, use some of that sweet, sweet Deadpool money in a different way and, uh, maybe buy into this company, which I did. Uh, and then, you know, Mint Mobile was really kind of a, similar track a similar story it was uh you know already perfect when i got there it just needed awareness needed uh needed a voice so a lot of celebrities i think would lend their name to something you know just kind of sell their brand and then never have anything to do with the product but you've really attached your face and your reputation to these things was that something that you were nervous about or how what can explain your approach and your strategy there well look i have skin in the game you know for these it's i'm you know i'm obviously using my own, you know, currency, however you want to call it, but I'm also, you know, a part of these companies using my own money. Um, and I think audiences and consumers can can sort of see through when you're just an ambassadorial role or when you're just kind of cashing a check, but they can see that I genuinely believe in in these products and these companies and what they can do. And, um, you know, I love marketing uh, aviation gin because the spirits business is a, there's a there's a little bit of mischief there which is I think a lot of fun for certainly a lot of fun for me to 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 tell that story um, and then I love the hyper practicality of of, of low cost wireless 
You know, it's it's. Uh, I love the fact that you know Mint Mobile, Mint Mobile efficiency is everything. It really sort of uh, speaks to everything that we believe in at Maximum Effort. Everything I believe in as Maximum Effort's founder. Uh, you know that that um, you know there's there, there needs to be alignment in both purpose and process, and that's 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 what these companies all sort of have in common. There's a real alignment there um, in 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 how we tell these stories and 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 the way in which we get them out to to the public. So. Ryan, one of the things we've been focusing on a lot about at the Post this year has been the economy and the pandemic and obviously income inequality and how economic mobility, how it's hard for some people to get from one part of this economy to the other. And I think I read that out of high school, you worked as a, you know, stocking grocery stores in Canada. And now you're obviously in a much different place in your life and your career. But you and uh, your wife, Blake Lively, recently launched this group effort initiative that sounds really interesting. And it aims to bring more people in, maybe people who had a hard time uh, finding a, a doorway into the um, entertainment industry. Can you explain how that's going and what your approach is to that? Yeah, um, Group Effort Initiative was, uh, you know, I, look, I've been working in show business for 30 years. I've been telling stories for 30 years. I love it. I recognize how lucky I am to be there. And I think, you know, the privilege of being able to do this job and be there is a resource, you know, and it's, I think how we spend that privilege is important. Um, and it certainly is important to me. It's important to my wife. Uh, so we wanted to do something that felt, um, you know, not just beneficial to the industry, uh, but also just beneficial to so many folks who have been historically excluded from that industry. And there are so many. I mean, having worked in the business, like I said, for 30 years, I've, you know, everybody looks the same behind the camera. And I, I feel like that's a, the, the folks that are behind the camera are a huge engine, a huge part of uh, storytelling and how we tell stories. And the more diverse the perspective is the more um, uh, uh, complicated and interesting and, and the more variety we have in that wellspring of talent behind the camera, the better stories we tell. So, you know, in a certain context, it's a selfish pursuit. Creating group effort initiative was, you know, to tell better stories. We all want to tell better stories, and I think if you're if you're only drawing from one particular segment of the population, you're you're going to stagnate. There's going to be a stasis there, and it's not, you know, you're not going to have as rich and diverse storytelling. So, you know, really, we wanted it for that reason uh, uh, primarily. But also, I love looking at making movies in a responsible way. And when I say responsible, I mean I like making movies that have they can still have larger budgets, but I like that they, they are responsible. Um, you know, I don't like, I personally, in the, in the movies, I particularly the movies I produce Deadpool one, Deadpool two, free guy and the Adam project, each one, I feel like, I feel like those films were each made quite responsibly. Um, and that, that comes down to budgets. Uh, the budgets are very responsible for what we're putting on the screen, but also that comes down to me as a producer being accountable to a crew and really kind of putting, uh, the t kind of talent behind the scenes that also feels responsible. And that's, that's another reason that the group effort initiative was, was created because I wanted to be responsible to not just the story we tell, but how we tell that story. And actually, can we talk about the Adam Project and, and um, Free Guy? I mean, I uh, watched both of them recently, um, and I think they both they fall into this category that I love called "what if" movies. You know, with the Adam Project, it's like, what if there was time travel and we could go back and see a loved one? With Free Guy, it's what if artificial intelligence really did kind of change everything? You know, is this a, a genre that you're kind of drawn to, um, kind of a subcategory of movies that is multi-layered? You know, it's a, there's love stories, there's heroes, but also it kind of makes you think about what's possible. A, a little bit. I mean, I, like I grew up 
you know, I'm a product of the era I grew up in. I grew up, you know, an intense fan of the Amblin era, you know, the E.T. style of movie making. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would even include or encompass Indiana Jones in that, um, you know, Back to the Future, The Last Starfighter. Um, you know, these big, giant, like you said, what if movies, um, you know, and and I love making those films that not only like kind of, you know, take us out of our reality for a moment, but, but they're also infused with joy and empathy. Uh, you know, and, 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 but not at the cost of entertainment or, or, or hilarity in some instances, um, you know, and, and free guys, another movie that was really just, a, a, an answer to a certain degree. It was a reflection of the world we were living in at that time. I wanted to make a movie and so did Sean Levy, my, my partner and, and director on, on the film and fellow producer. We want to make a movie about joy. We want to make a movie that sort mm -hmm. of felt like we get to experience joy during a very pretty dark time in, in, in our world. And, um, um, I think that's what storytelling is all about, really. At the, at the end of the day, it's a it's it's a it's a it's a it's a brief but wonderful respite from our lives and uh, a chance to sort of have have a have a have a moment where a, you know a story carries us away to a different place. And I, I I love that. I've always loved that. It's the greatest legal drug on earth. Well, and Free Guy is so interesting. I watched it with my daughter Megan, who's twelve, and she was watching it as this joyful you know, hero slash love story. And I'm, as deputy business editor, watching it as that, but also the slight panic because there's so much talk about artificial intelligence and whether sentient bots, I mean, obviously the one in this story is a great one, but there's whether they could be used for evil or whether they could go in the other direction. You know, is that the kind of thing that you think we should be kind of exploring more artificial intelligence in film, or is that kind of a sci-fi zone that has always been a subcategory? I could tell you right now, David, I am wholesale unqualified to answer that question. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm sure. someone who, you know, I, I generally like, you know, I put on a brave face, but everything scares me. Uh, you know, so artificial intelligence is certainly one of uh, one of uh, many of the, the items on my whiteboard that uh, terrify the ever living crap out of me. So. Can you talk about Welcome to Wrexham? So, I mean, it's amazing. as I was doing research for this interview, I just couldn't, I had to keep adding things that you're involved in. And that now you're just, like I said, not a passive investor, but you're actively involved in. Welcome to Wrexham's on a whole different level because it's a, it's a real thing. And this is a docu-series that's coming out in August. It's about a, um, you know, lower tier um, professional soccer team in Wales that you are co-investor in and play a big role in. Can you talk about not just the project or the, the docuseries, but also your decision to become involved in something that's going to be this personal and that you're going to have so much on the line for? Yeah, Wrexham is, um, yeah, you really want to gird the old loins there. Uh, Wrexham is a, is a project that I've been involved with for a little while now. My, my, uh, my partner in Wrexham is Rob McElhenney, uh, who you may know from, uh, he's a creator and star of uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and Mythic Quest and, and several other uh, wonderful projects. Great guy. Uh, he and I just kind of, uh, you know, linked arms and drove off the cliff like Thelma and Louise did uh, together on this one. It was, a, it was a really unique and interesting idea. Okay. It was Rob's idea. He, he brought it to me, actually. And, um, um, you know, we had started looking at, at different clubs uh, throughout the UK, and we and stumbled upon this club called Wrexham. And at the time, I hadn't heard of, uh, of the football club. Um, I call it football because if I call it soccer uh, over there, I'll, I'll be murdered. Uh, so... Uh, but anyway, uh, the, this this club Wrexham had you know it's the third oldest football club on earth. They play in the oldest international football stadium on earth, uh, and the 
both the community and the club, which are inextricably linked, which is a huge part of this project, uh, have you know fallen on hard times over the last uh, couple of decades. You know, this is a, a very much a working class town. I think it, the American equivalent. I I might get in trouble for saying this, but I'd say that the American equivalent is kind of like a you know a Scranton. Uh, it's a it's a you know core values, hardworking folks. Um, you know, who really work hard for what they have. And and I love that part of the story. I love that Wrexham, you know, is a club uh, that is not, there's no, no one at Wrexham has million dollar contracts. You know, these guys are playing for their life. Uh, you know, they're, 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 they're incredibly invested in winning and growing this club and bringing it back to the, it's the, the glory it's had in years past. I mean, it's been known as a giant killer. It's beaten huge clubs like Arsenal in the past. And um, so I just love that, that both wow. the community and the club are so linked in everything that they do. And, and as we build it, we're building the community at the same time we're, we're working with the, the club and it's really just been a, a labor of love. I've loved every second of it. And, uh, you know, we came within a point of being promoted last season and uh, hopefully this season will, will uh, our luck, luck will go our way. Well, we have a clip actually of this show that's coming up. I'd love to play it for, for our viewers. Please, yeah. I've got with me Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, the new owners of Wrexham AFC. What was the connection between you and Wrexham Football Club? We had no direct connection. It was just a feeling. What me and my dad thought was because Wrexham's red, Deadpool's red. And- That's the real reason, sorry. <laughs> I think the biggest challenge is a community looking around going, what are these two guys doing here? Welcome to Wrexham. Only fools Is that the gym? It will be the gym. Wow. Yes, these will work. Wrexham is a town that battles against odds constantly. But the thing that we love more than anything is the football club. It's an underdog story. And it's about interconnectivity between the club and the community. Football's more than a game. It's not life and death. It's more important than that. looks like an amazing story um can you can you tell me i mean i'm an avid sports fan myself so i can imagine how it was hard to just look at that as a business investment and not as i was going back through your twitter history and see that you were kind of on the edge of your seat during some of those you know matches in the down the stretch and looked like a really intense experience no it's an emotional investment so much more than a business investment i mean you know that's not that's not a uh a business you get into if you're looking to to you know create insane uh EBITDA or something, you know, like it's uh, it's much more emotional than that. And it's um, it's been a, an incredible ride. I mean, I got to say, I was not, I wasn't as invested as one might think when we got into it. I just sort of was like a kind of a wait and see posture. And man, now I quite literally live and breathe and die each match that we have. Uh, it's been, it's been intense. I mean, Saturday, my family sort of scatters. Uh, my kids sort of scatter because they know dad's going to be uh, in, in a pretty intense mode. I remember that one of the matches I watched at the race course ground, I got 8,500 steps on my, uh, uh, just just during the match, just pacing like a cage lion back and forth. So I get pretty into it. My wife, Blake, is very into it as well. And, um, you know, we're, we're sort of living for it now. Did you grow up um, as a soccer fan, playing soccer as a kid? Or did you just fall in love with it as an adult? No, I, I played it. I played all the sports as a kid. I, I loved it, um, but I never got it. I never understood 
uh, I never understood sort of why it was such a global force until now. I, you know, now that I'm I'm at these matches and I'm watching, I see you know there's not there aren't NBA scores up on the on the scoreboard. It's this is you know you may score one goal, two goals, you may see three or four goals in a in a match, and that's why every one of them is so precious. That's why these the the the, the fans and the supporters that are sitting at these matches they explode when the team scores because it's just such a precious commodity that's happening and it's uh i really i really understand also the the idea that in european football this I, the idea of promotion and relegation is there's so much more on the line for a club than there is in 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 even in, in pretty much american sports across the board i mean they all play in one league there's no going up to another league there's no threat that you may be relegated to a lower league if you don't if you don't finish in the in the top uh, percentage of the of the league, so it's it's there's so much on the line, and it's really intense. Ryan, can you tell me a little bit about how you decide what initiatives to become involved in, whether they're you know philanthropic or investments or even film projects? Like, how do you evaluate? There's only 24 hours in the day. How do you evaluate what you can give your all to and what things you need to set aside? Because it seems like you have so much going on at once. Yeah, I think you know you uh, everything that I'm involved in. I'm 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 I could not. I'm redlining the engine in terms of passion. I mean, I, every part of me is 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 invested. Every cell in my body is invested in Mint Mobile and Aviation Gin and my in my the film business that I get so lucky to work in. Um, you know, so I, how I decide though is really it's just it, it's born of that. Do I have the the passion and the drive to kind of tell this story and and you know how how much of it. Uh, resonates with me personally and you know really that's that's how i choose it there isn't like some crystal ball i look into uh or magic eight ball and figure out whether i'm going to do something or not it's usually if, if there's a real story there to tell uh i'm game to tell it you know and i can certainly give you specific examples of why each one of these projects i i i fell in love with and decided to tell the story and invest in um but you know at the end of the day really it just comes down to to that I will, you will find time if you're if you're fired up about something you'll find time. You'll just do it. You know, everyone I know that is really, truly great at what they do, you know, they do it. Yeah. So when I talk to young, young people all the time, or I want to break into the entertainment industry, I want really want to be a director. And I usually say, are you doing it? I mean, do you have a phone? They'll say, yes. I'm like, does your phone have a camera? Yes. Well, you should be doing it. I mean, I, I think that Steven Spielberg, you know, before he became Steven Spielberg, he was doing it round the clock. That's all he did. Uh, you know, and every, all the best things that I've ever been a part of, all the best things that I ever did, they were, they were driven by passion and love. Um, you know, and this sort of quote unquote success or money was something that came afterwards, uh, as a result of that. So I think if you reverse engineer that, you're going to, that's where you're going to get into trouble. And do you think that's where your, you know, these nonprofits that you've helped found, do they help with that process for people who maybe, as we discussed earlier, have a harder time you know, getting that door open, whether it's in the marketing business or in the film business, you know, just giving them a chance to be in the game so that they can go ahead and pursue their careers and be the next Ryan Reynolds, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, do I want to be the best at what I do? Absolutely. I won't know if I'm the best at what I do unless everybody's allowed to play. You know, I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, that's that's where that comes from. Um, and, 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 and the fact is, is I'm, you know, I'm uh, whatever you want to call it. I'm an actor. I'm a movie star or whatever you, however you want to uh, title it. But that, that's not something that lasts forever. So while I'm in this position and while I have this capital and this power to spend, I'm going to spend it. I'm going to use it and um, do some things that I'm going to be really proud of uh, in the future and things that I hopefully my, my own kids will be proud of as well. So, um, you know, I, I'm not here to wag my finger at people or, 
you know, but I am here to never waste my, my own mistakes and use my own failures and my own blind spots and my own everything for uh, something that might, might, might be a positive change. So um, yeah, I want to make the marketing industry uh, better. I want to make it more diverse with creatives. There are so many young people out there who come from, you know, overlooked, marginalized, or, you know, um, historically uh, discriminated against communities that haven't been offered or even knew that, that there was a chance to work in uh, marketing or showbiz uh, uh, or, or a path, much less a path to get there. So a, a huge part of these initiatives is reaching out not just to folks who are already ready to jump into the space, but we're a, part, a big part of our job, certainly with Creative Ladder, my marketing initiative as well, and, and group effort initiative is reaching into high schools and talking to kids and saying, hey, this is out there for you. This is a possibility for you. Um, and it's just going to become more and more accessible. Because one thing that really sticks with me is that there is not a dearth of talent out there. There's a, there's What's lacking is opportunity for a lot of people. And um, the more opportunity we create, just the better the better everything is going to get in terms of uh, uh, storytelling, in terms of how we tell stories and and uh, and why we tell stories. We have an audience question, Ryan. What's the oddest pitch that you've ever received? The oddest pitch that I've ever received. Uh, oh, that's a tough one. I don't know. I, I usually that we're usually we're doing the pitches, so I don't, <laughs> I don't get a lot of. I don't get a ton of uh, a ton of pitches. Um, one was the. Um, the 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 uh, one pitch that I'd heard that I loved and they ended up making it was the Nicolas Cage movie that recently came out, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. I think it's called. Yeah. Um, I remember hearing that as a pitch, and I just thought that's just fantastic. That was weird and wonderful, and I and I actually I really love that movie as well. Right, because it's multi multiple levels and it doesn't take itself too seriously. It was I remember just seeing the trailer uh -huh. for that and thinking, wow, this is a brilliant concept. Yeah, it was like the first time I saw being John Malkovich. I was just like, that's just amazing. It's amazing that we live in a world where those, this kind of thing happens. I, so one of the things that struck me about a lot of the, the um, ads that come out of Maximum Effort and Mountain are that there's a shock value to them. Um, you, know, the, you know, whether it's Hugh Jackman pouring a bottle of gin on a beautiful table and the goody two-shoes in me is like freaking out about the poor table or what Steve-O did with the Carolina Pepper. Actually, I think we have a clip of that. We could play that really quickly. Oh, God. Hi, I'm Ryan Reynolds, and welcome to my Mountain Television Software demo stunt. I thought I was here to promote my small business. We'd also like to see you eat the peppers. There's a full medical team. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I got it. When's it going to go off? About 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, how long's it been? You got ice cubes? Uh, I've never had an experience like that. Uh, uh, did I get the lines for you? You got the lines perfectly. I'm so sorry. <laughs> So you're not just there holding, you know, a little product. You're there. The re, the viewers engaged in what you're doing. I mean, is that kind of behind a lot of your marketing? This is going to be fun. This is going to kind of make you get on the edge of your seat. Is that is that part of your strategy that you're really going to bring kind of the fun and charisma that you have on film into these in this marketing material? Well, doing a you know creating a. a, a showing people a demo of a revolutionary ad tech software is not going to be the most exciting thing in the world. So we had to find, uh, find a way to do that. And I, I, I'd, I'd actually pitched this earlier on and maybe a couple of months before and I thought, Oh, you know, I'll, maybe I'll eat one of these peppers. And I just thought it was so much funnier if I play the sort of, you know, uh, big shot movie star who's unwilling to put his own ass on the line, which is uh, really actually quite true. Uh, so I thought, Steve-O, jackass. So I reached out to Steve-O, who was very happy to, to jump in and do this. But, you know, 
most of what we do is, you know, really is necessity being the mother of invention. It's a lot of times we're working really quickly, working with limited budgets, but we're also acknowledging and playing with the cultural landscape. So that's a huge part of what we do. We try to create marketing that's moving at the exact same speed of, of culture as culture is. Uh, you know, if you look at some of these big kind of enterprise brands that have existed for decades, there a lot of times their marketing sort of uh, uh, go-to is nine, 10 months in advance. So they're, they're plotting the messaging, they're plotting the stories that they're going to tell nine, 10 months in advance. And I don't know that you are going to be as effective as when you're moving at the exact same speed as culture. So um, if we all look at like something that's happening in the world, something that becomes like the talk of a uh, of, of a community or or talk of the internet, something that breaks the internet. There's always that one person or or several people who put out a tweet that is like you know liked by 10 million people that becomes right. sort of encapsulates the what, what everyone's feeling about this moment that's happening. But now, if you can add production to that and do that at relatively the same speed as someone say tweeting, um, if you you know your brand becomes the conversation. So that's that's something that we've kind of hacked into, and it's something that we try to play with as much as possible. I'm not saying that every brand needs to be turning around ads in 24 hours from ideation to shooting to release. Uh, that's a difficult thing, and we've had some sleepless nights doing that. But uh, but it certainly is something that we love, and it's something that, that's sort of a big part of the ethos of Maximum Effort. Well, um, that's all the time we have. Ryan, I can't thank you enough for this amazing conversation with Washington Post Live. Thanks for sharing your story and your insights. really means a lot I, to I me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.